Introducing Spectacle, the ultimate eyewear experience. We offer a carefully curated collection of logo-free frames, so the focus is on you. We're located at 505 Tremont Street in Boston's historic South End neighborhood. Keep in mind that we only look expensive. Hope to see you soon, and enjoy the day. What did you say? It's time to talk about the people that support this show. Let me tell you something. I have two great supporters of this podcast that I want to tell you about. One is Joe's Albums. Joe has two great locations. One's in downtown Worcester, Massachusetts at 317 Main Street, and the other is at 5 Market Street in Northampton, Massachusetts. Both stores are totally cool. The people that work there will help you find whatever you're looking for. And if you can't find what you're looking for there, go over to joesalbums.com. You can geek out in a major way and find anything you want. Well, maybe not anything, but a lot of stuff, all right? And I also got to tell you about Baby Loves Tacos, who have been with me on this podcast since day one. Baby Loves Tacos is located in the beautiful Bloomfield section of Pittsburgh, PA, at 4508 Liberty Avenue. These guys serve up some of the best tacos, burritos, bowls, and other yummy Mexican-style treats. And let me let, let me let you in on a little secret here. I used to work there, and I used to make some of the stuff, so I know how good it is. Otherwise, I wouldn't have ate it. The recipes are fantastic. So if you're in the Pittsburgh area or you're just traveling through, stop by and say hi to Zach and the rest of the crew over there. Tell them Twisted Rico sent you. Matter of fact, tell Joe's albums Twisted Rico sent you too. Baby Loves Tacos, where everybody eats. Friday, 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 June 23rd, at the Middle East Upstairs, it's Scissor Fight. Gathered in the night with Blood Lightning. And the first show from Catching Hell. That's the Middle East Upstairs, 472 Mass Ave in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Friday, June 23rd. Get into it. Lakes. 
secret hiding place Spread a blanket by the riverside Welcome to Blowing Smoke with Twisted Rico. I'm your host, Steve Ricardo. All right, I'm running a little ragged today, <laughs> so bear with me. I didn't sleep a lot last night. I got home at 2 o'clock in the morning after a two-hour drive from the Cape. That's Cape Cod for you folks not familiar with the New England terrain. And why was I at the Cape last night, you ask? In the pouring rain, by the way, because it rained all day. Well, because today it's all about Framingham, Massachusetts, hometown boy, Dave Amato, guitarist of the legendary REO Speedwagon. You just heard the track Runaway Baby. That was from their 2007 album, Find Your Own Way Home, which, as you heard, shows off some skillful guitar playing by Mr. Amato. Um, we had a great interview, a lot of fun. I'd met Dave years ago. We talk about that. In fact, I'm going to tell you a little story right now about how I know about Dave Amato in the first place, because uh, he is one hell of a great guitar player and a nice guy. Um, when I was around 17 years old, I got lucky. I landed a job as a barback 
at a place called Zip's Penthouse. Some people just called it the Penthouse in Leicester, Massachusetts, which is literally right outside of Worcester, Massachusetts. I got to see live music every night. I was, I was, it was like a dream job for, for a guy who was not even quite, I was going into my senior year in high school when I started this job. Uh, the drinking age was 18 back then. So I was able to get a job as a 17 year old working in a bar. Uh, the first night I was there, I saw Pretty Poison. I've talked about that many times. Donnie Thayer was on the show. The late, great Jimmy D'Angelo is one of my Longtime friends who passed away not too long ago. Uh, this this is where it really all started for me as far as original music goes. When I saw Pretty Poison, um, this kind of this job led me on a mission to see many new bands. I wanted to see as many bands playing live original music as I could find. I even found ways to weasel my way into clubs before I was even eighteen. But by the time I was eighteen. Right before they changed the drinking age to 19, I get to celebrate like 10 months of going to bars, which I did to go see rock and roll and have a few beers as well. Smoke a little weed beforehand. You know, some things change, some haven't. <laughs> um, one of those bands that I saw back then was a band called Ice. And I immediately was drawn to their fabulous lead guitar player, Dave Amato. And wouldn't you know it, a few years later, Dave joins up with Jimmy D'Angelo and Louis Santoro, who's the drummer of Pre-Poison, and they form a band called August. That band also featured the late, great Jamie Pease on bass and vocals. They seemed like a band that was headed for stardom, and I felt the same way about them as I felt about Pretty Poison. I loved Jimmy's songs, and then when I heard Jamie's songs and Louis's great drumming and then this guitar god, Dave Amato, I'm like, this band is going places. Well, it didn't quite work out that way. Dave opted to leave the band and move to Los Angeles in 1980 to pursue something bigger. His buddies weren't happy with him when he did it. We talk about this in the interview. But years later, all was forgiven. Dave ended up playing with a ton of people. One time I was watching TV and I saw him on TV with Julian Lennon. But he also played with the Nuge, Ted Nugent, on two records. And it was his singer. He toured with Cher. And he eventually ended up and the band he has been the lead guitarist with now for over 30 years, REO Speedwagon. Dave and I had a great talk. And afterwards, his great timing sometimes happened. He tells me, hey, I got a gig next week on the Cape. And I'm like, he's like, you want to go? And I'm like, yeah. So I trekked the 100 miles, two-hour drive, whatever it was down there. It was a shitty, rainy day, but it was worth every second. I was blown away by REO. They did. They just absolutely floored me. The band was fabulous. Kevin Cronin still sounds great. The rhythm section's fantastic. I mean, they are a really good band. Way better than I ever thought they would. They crushed the sellout crowd. And Dave was on fire. Afterwards, 
while waiting in the backstage area, because of course I get passes, makes me feel important when I can put my little laminate on and slap it on, you know, sticker, not the actual laminate, the sticker, slap it on, walk around, show off to all the pretty girls. I got backstage laminate. That's where I'm going backstage. Well, we're back there under a tent in the pouring rain, waiting for Dave. And all of a sudden, who do I see? Michael Sweet, the singer of Striper, a band that I worked with while I was at Enigma Records from 84 to 86. And I, I went, went up to him, Mike. I said, I don't know if you remember me, Michael, blah, blah, blah. And he says, yeah, yeah, he remembered me. And we had a nice talk. We talked for a little while about Striper and stuff. And that was really cool. And then Dave came out to a crowd of about 20 of his friends that are waiting for him. I had seen Louis Santoro earlier. He's sitting in the next section over. Someone pointed him out to me, and I was hoping he was going to be back there because I wanted to say hi to him as well, but unfortunately he left. But he's pretty much in touch with Dave all the time from what Dave told me. So I'm not... Um, you know, it was late. It was pretty late at that point. But I got to talk to Dave again, and he was quite gracious, and he raved about our interview. And I have to say, I never thought I would enjoy seeing an REO Speedwagon show as much as I did, but I have that the band was flawless. They were like, they were flawless, really. And Dave proved to be one of the greatest guitar players I've ever seen, and especially have ever met. So in this interview that I'm going to play for you, we talk about a lot of stuff, a lot of cool stuff, including his legendary gear collection. It is one you want to definitely check out. So here I am talking to Dave Amato. And you can hear me? Are we okay? Yes, I hear you great. Welcome to the show, David. Oh, thank you. Let me, uh... there we go. There we go. <laughs> it's good to uh, see thanks. you. Um, you too. Good to see you too, man. Wow, this is this is great. Talking about old times. Yeah, before before we get into the modern day stuff, because there's so much, I wanted to go all the way back. Did you actually grow up right in Framingham, or was it one of the towns around Framingham? No, right in Framingham, man. Framingham, Massachusetts. Yeah. Um, yeah, born and raised. Um, God, I stayed there for like... Uh, <laughs> going way back now like 25 years you know and I, I moved to ashland you know after i left yeah. my, my folks house you know and and you know i had the ice the, that ice band you talked about you know and then um milford i went to milford uh before i left for california in 1980 so, yeah yeah i'm from yeah. webster so i know i know all those towns <laughs> yeah um sure. do, sure. do you I was I was curious. I wanted to ask you about your youth a little bit. I know that you're a. I imagine you're a big Beatles fan. In fact, I believe I heard that. Was that when you first got interested in music, or were there were there other bands that you were hearing around that time when you were a kid that got you into it? Well, I, you know, I I started with like I was, in, you know, when I was small, uh, Elvis Presley. I mean, I just uh, I I think I I told the story before like to some of my guitar, you know, like Gibson people, you know, and like, I heard the, like, um, Hound Dog, I don't know, whatever, for some reason, it just grabbed me, the guitar just, you know, just grabbed me in the gun, Jailhouse Rock, you know, that just the, the chords and the, and the, um, riffs of, you know, of, um, Scotty Moore there, you know, with, oh, yeah. with Elvis, um, just kind of grabbed me when I was a kid, you know? And then of course the Beatle 
and I started taking lessons before the Beatles, like at eight, eight years old. And then when the Beatles came, it just, you know, blew, blew the roof off, off the place. You know, I just went, I got to grow my hair and uh, start, a, start a band, you know, and that, and that was it. That was it. You know, I read that there was a band called the Sandstones that you started when you were like 11 years old. Is that true? What? Where are you getting? Unbel <laughs> yes, unbelievable. How do you get this information? Oh, I'm it's... a big fan of yours, man. I've been following wow, your career that... for a long time. So, so I... you're, you're, you're bringing me back. I can, you know, yeah, the Sandstones with Steve Bremner, with, uh, who was in it with, uh, it was a one way out after that. You know, the band called One Way Out before Ice and and August and that stuff, you know, but Sandstones, wow, wow. That, you, you know, you are got like, wow. well, you know, Ice was, when I saw Ice and I, I really, I was just blown away by you guys. And the one thing I remembered was like, you were a real lead guitar player at a young age. I mean, there's people that say they're guitar players, but oh. I think of you as a lead guitar player. You know, you could play leads faster in fact i know a, another guy that we know and we were talking about this the other day because i told him i was going to talk to you and that's donnie thayer and we were talking you, you uh, remember donnie thayer right sure absolutely yeah we, we were talking about you in that respect like you know all these guys were all guitar players but dave was like a real lead player you know he could rip the leads at a young age you know and and i and that's oh, probably cool. why you ended up with jimmy d you know because jimmy d had like and we're going to talk about august now you know because he was all into the beatles and and the hard rock and him and jamie both of them rest in peace two great guys why don't you talk about I, that I, a little bit i'd love to hear your story about when you played with them well i i before that you know like i said like you you mentioned i was in ice you know with with your uh when i read you know your uh uh you wanted to you know speak to me so ice was uh, like um going into august was a you know top 40 band you know and we had some originals you know some original music but I wanted more, you know, and and uh, you know we we were making good money in the club scene and everything. But I just didn't want to stay there. Those guys seemed to want to just stay there. You know, we're making more and more money. Of course, the money dictates, but it didn't matter to me. I wanted to make it, you know. And so, like August and Jimmy and Jamie, they were writing songs. You know, they were writing their own own songs and they were playing them like uh, um i think mad angel not a man angel and then uh, pretty poison pretty, pretty poison i went yeah. to see pretty poison and they were doing almost all originals i mean and like that's what i want i want to be in a band like that you know so when pretty poison kind of collapsed or what, whatever happened there i'm not sure you know i went to jimmy jimmy and i started talking i i really wanted to make you know be in a band with jimmy and then i think i, I think it was me who mentioned jamie again because jimmy jamie was writing songs too original songs so um yeah we um uh, jimmy came over the house in ashland i remember and we you know he had some some stuff and i had some ideas and he had a lot of songs more than me you know so i wanted to be with him you know so i thought man we could maybe launch this to the top you know take this band versus ice which was amazing band and i love those guys dearly you know and but i just think they wanted to stay in the club scene and i i didn't want to do that you know i mean august plays we played the clubs we played a lot of original material you know trying to maybe have somebody come out and see us and then you know we would go from there you know so i love jimmy's songwriting was was amazing it was amazing and and jamie came up with some great songs too you know and i chimed in there with my 
two cents, you know, I was like the George Harrison in there, you know, I throw a, throw a song <laughs> in there too, you know? So, but um, it, it, it was good. It, it was great for a couple of years there, you know? Yeah, I know. I so, remember you're the you were the original guitar player. They ended up having a couple of different guys after you, but I remember seeing the original yeah. lineup. Um, yeah. When was it that you decided, you know what? I don't think this whole scene out here is for me. And I got because I, I did the same thing in 1984. I bought a one way ticket to L.A. and I worked for record labels my whole life, you know. But when you what went through your head that made you say, you know what? I got to get out of here and I got to go to L.A. Well, we had a manager, Butch Stone, that um, we we were doing demos in Atlantic in New York. You know, we did we did a bunch of demos and. It just was kind of spinning, spinning our wheels a little bit, you know. And I mean, Jimmy was living at home, you know, and 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 Jamie was living at home. They were pretty, pretty comfortable, you know. Me, no, I was living with the roadies, you know, and eating cereal every day, you know. I mean, it, it was it was tough. And Louis, um, I think Louis was in the same boat as I was, you know, kind of struggling, you know. But but Louis Santoro. Yeah, Santoro. Yeah, and I just talked to Louis the other day. He might come to see me down down the Cape. We're playing the Cape uh, this week. At really? Friday. Wow, yeah. that's awesome. Hyannis, yeah, Cohasset on Friday night and Hyannis on Saturday night. You know, nice. Um, so, um, they were kind of they were more comfortable than I was. You know, I, I was I wanted to try to do it. So I was trying to tell him, uh, let's take this because it was in the you know this was 1979. You know. And and the hair bands in L.A. they were you know they were getting signed left and right you know there was Poison and uh, you know Motley whatever they, you know there was you know the tons of bands came out of L.A. and I said let's because we were kind of that kind of band you know so let's take this band to L.A. and they all went yeah 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 we should do that we should do that you know but I don't think I just realized that I don't think they were that serious as serious as I was you know so. I just said to the manager, I, I mean, I just thought it was spinning, kind of spinning our wheels there. And these guys were living at home. And I, I just said to, to the manager, I said, look, if there's something in L.A., you know, I'm getting kind of tired of this. And he was kind of we, we weren't getting anywhere with the demos, you know, whatever. And uh, so he he said, I, I don't know what to do with this band. You know, he said to me, you know, so I, I mean, I wanted to kind of hang on to that. So I said, if there's anything in L.A., you know. Yeah, please let me know. I, I want to go. I want to do something. I think California is the way to go. I think that's the, you know, because we weren't, you know, we, there was no interest in Boston. You know, we, we were doing demos in, in New York, which he got us, you know, but it didn't pan out that good. So I'm like, I, yeah. I don't want to wait around anymore, man. I, I want to, uh, time's a waste and I want to go. So, yeah, it, yeah. And it was a smart move because when you got there, I've got a whole list of things that happened. Now, were you actually in Black Oak, Arkansas for a little while before <laughs> you did like all these Latoya Jackson, David Lee Roth, all the background vocals? You actually played with Black Oak, Arkansas? Well, it, it, yes, it was supposed to be that. It was supposed <laughs> to be that. But Jim Danley had, had, had left. There was turmoil when I when I got there. You know, Jim Danny wasn't even there. There was all sorts of turmoil. I don't know if it was um, a money situation. I don't know. People weren't happy there. So it was um, a couple of guys from Black Oak that, you know, were left over. You know what I mean? They wanted to keep going. 
So, and we couldn't call it Black Oak after that. So uh, was I in Black Oak? It, it was supposed to be, you know? But when I got there, it was like, I, I was kind of like, hey guys, let's not fight. You know, I just got, got here. Let's, let's try to do this, you know? So we got another lead, lead singer came in and um, God, I, can't, I can't remember this so long ago. I can't remember his name um, from, from Detective. And he sang just like Rod Stewart, you know? So we were, we were um, I, I, maybe Columbia or something came out for, for a, a, a demo because we were doing, you know, we were rehearsing songs and it was good songs, but he sang like Rod Stewart. So they, they said, this guy seems, it's, we already have a Rod Stewart, you know, this is too much like Rod Stewart. So that kind of fell apart. And the leftover guys that I, <laughs> of Black Oak that I went out there and said would turn into like four piece. It was the lead guitar player from, uh, from Black Oak and the bass player who I lived with. I went out there and lived with him in a house and we, you know, we formed this band and, and I said, well, who's going to sing lead? And I said, Dave, you sang lead in, in Boston. So I turned into the lead singer there and we called ourselves USA, you know? Wow. For a bit. So we played, we played like the Troubadour, I think the whiskey, if I'm not mistaken, you know, we, we tried to, you know, play, you know, the clubs and I know we played the Troubadour for sure. And that was like, wow, a big, big deal for me, you know, yeah. the Troubadour, famous Troubadour. And, um, but you know, I, I was broke, you know, everybody had a, had a work or whatever, you know? So, um, that lasted for a while. And then, uh, I was just doing some auditions, you know, it just, it stemmed off from there, you know, just kind of like looking, looking for stuff to do, looking for bands to play in. I got to ask you about Molly Crew, but before we get to that, Latoya Jackson, David Lee Roth, Rick Springfield, Kim Carnes, you covered the whole spectrum, man, in a couple of years. <laughs> I, I did. I did. No, it, you know, L.A., which I thought it was, it was great for me. And and it still is. I, I just, a lot, of, a lot of guys come out there, you know, my friends are like, man, how did you last in L.A.? You know, I got out, you know, I got out there. I was in there four or five years and I just, I can't stand it. You know, I went to Nashville or wherever they went, you know. I, I'm, it was it was great for me. Um what happened after that was, um, I, you know, because I, I played top 40 in uh, in Boston, so I knew how to do that. So I met up with a couple of guys. They said, you want to, you know, do some top 40? And, I and you know, I thought, well, if I'm doing top 40 in Framingham, whatever, I'm not going to be seen. But if I do it in L.A., somebody might see me, you know, yeah. which turned out to be true, you know. So I went down to Orange County and um, started playing – top 40, you know, um, and, uh, uh, Jonathan Cain's brother saw me in a club and I was singing like journey songs and his brother was in journey, you know, Jonathan Cain was in journey. Yeah. So he got, and, 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 um, Jonathan Cain's wife, Tawny Cain band, which, which I was in, uh, they needed a guitar player and singer. And I, you know, I sang all the highs, all, you know, even August, whatever. So, they came out and Jonathan Kane came out and, and I was singing journey songs like, wow, this guy's singing journey, you know? So they, uh, I was in the clubs and all of a sudden, two weeks later, I'm playing solid gold with, you know, with the Tawny Kane band. I just, it just was snowball. It was great. It was a great time in my life, you know, just. So all from, those other people I mentioned, they just called you to come in the studio and do background vocals. Um, well, that happened later. That happened later on, and I was the same deal happened. I was with Tony Kane for a while, and we, you know, that thing 
kind of petered out after a while. We did uh, touring with the Eddie Money and stuff like that. But then when that ended, um, I started going back to, to the top 40. My buddy called me again, you know, Jonathan's brother, John DK's brother. said, hey, I got this band. Let's 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 do this again. Let's go, you know, play. I had to make some money to pay rent, you know. So I placed it. And all of a sudden, Kim Carnes comes in one night into the club and, and she sees me singing whatever. And she says, would you like to come on tour with me? <laughs> I'm like, yes, let's let's go. You know, sat down with her and she was just amazing. I loved her. So I kind of went on a mini tour with her. I didn't do any records with her, but and it just. It just kind of snowballed, you know, after that. And then uh, Ricky Phillips from uh, The Babies and Bad English. And, yeah. he, you know, he's my buddy. He played in the Tawny Kane with me. And he said, hey, Nugent's looking for uh, a singer-guitar player. I think you'd, you'd fit the bill. I go, wow, get me an audition, you know? So that was like, you know, about four or five years in into L.A. But, I had, you know, I started to do stuff, you know? So uh, then I got well the new... You, you sang background vocals on on Motley Crue, uh, "Girls, Girls, yeah. Girls." How'd that happen? Well, I was doing a Nugent record in, um, I think "Girls" was if I get the dates right, don't quote me, eighty-seven, I believe, something like that. Um, I was doing a Nugent record. We had the same producer, um, and they needed somebody to sing, you know, backgrounds, and they loved Ted Nugent, and Motley loved Ted. You know, everybody loves Ted. You know. Um, so they knew I was his lead singer and they need somebody to sing high, you know, I mean, the girls, that, that song, you know, girls, girls, girls. And so they said, the Nugent goes, you know, hey, Amato's my lead singer, you know, and, and the producer. Um, uh, was God, it I'm Tom Worman? Tom Worman? Tom Worman, yes, yeah. yes. Tom Worman brought me over, you know, brought me over and threw me in and I sang Girls, Girls, Girls and Wildside. In one day, you know, wow. in, in one all the background, not, you know, there was a couple other people. I said I was in there on the on the vocals on that. And uh, the uh, I mean, I was bleeding after, you know, Nikki, Nikki was like, dude, this is the crew. You got to bleed, dude. You got to bleed, you know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I mean, I, I walked out of there and say, thanks, thanks, guys. I couldn't even talk after that day. But it was it was amazing. It was amazing. And I said, look, you know, it's not not about not so much about the money i wanted the, the the credit on that record you know i mean i thought oh man if i get a credit on the crew record you know that's that's pretty cool you know so i i got some money and the credit too so that was good and then i ended up uh, being friends with nikki so they call me for uh decade of decadence too i'm not not that one i mean uh, uh dr feelgood and they were going to Canada to do that, but I, I was with, I had joined REO already, so I couldn't do that one. But Nikki called me back for Decade of Decadence, so I did a lot of that, a lot of that record backgrounds, um, Primal Scream. You know that song, Primal Scream. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Primal Scream, shout. That's me and Tommy going scream, wow. shout. That's just Tommy and I doing. So I did a lot of demos for them, you know, and um, I sat. Believe it or not. When they were doing, I don't know if it was before deck, I can't get the the you know the the years right. But I sat on a chair. Nikki got me in there, no guitar. I sat on a chair, and they were working on on a record. I forget which record. Oh, that's when when they fired Vince. I was on a chair, and I sat there, and I got paid every day just to watch the show. 
You know, I mean, they they go, Dave, throw in some harmonies here and there because they were just working on stuff, you know. But it was it was a ball to to just live in that that room for for a while, you know. Till one day, I I went in and I sat on my chair and you know, just shut up and and they said, dude, we. He's gone, man. <laughs> Vince, they fired Vince like the day before, after after I had left for the day. And I'm like, you think that's a good idea? You know, I'm like, oh, dude, yeah, you know. And and that was it for that stint of monthly, you know. Wow. On that, because Vince I, had gone, you know. Yeah, you mentioned Nugent and you worked on two albums. That must yeah. have been an interesting time of your life. Wonderful. Amazing. Ted believed in me as a lead singer, you know. So I came in and I did, um, I sang half the Little Miss Dangerous record in 1985. And then we went right on tour. Well, no, it was 85. And then uh, the next spring, 86, we went five months with Aerosmith. Five months straight with Aerosmith. And, uh, you know, my, because I played with my band, we opened for Aerosmith, you know, in like in high, in high school and the cricket lounge in Ashland. We played. I played with Aerosmith. That was how many seats of that? 50, 75? Crazy. Yeah. So you know, I kind of knew the guys, and I'm good friends to this day. To uh, all of them, uh, Joe Perry, not not so much, but Brad Whitford is a good friend of mine. Brad is. Good I guy. love his sweetheart. Sweetheart. I love her to this day. You know, we text and stuff. I talk to Brad. He's so that fun. must have been pretty wild having Aerosmith and Ted Nugent on the road together. I can only imagine what the backstage area was like at those shows. It it was it was incredible. And and we went around the United States, you know, in big arenas. We played arenas. We went around once and then we went around again in 5 months. We we didn't stop. It didn't stop. You know, like we're going to go home for 3 weeks. Nope. We we just kept going cuz that, that was done with mirrors, you know, by everybody. Oh, yeah, yeah. They wanted, they wanted Stephen said, I used to sometimes eat, you know, dinner with Stephen. And Stephen says, you know, Dave, I want to I want to make this because the first record on Geffen, I want to make it pla- uh, uh, 500,000. Gold. Not plat- not plat- gold. I want to make yeah. it gold. And that would be a good start for us to keep going, you know. So so I think, I believe he said, if we, when we go gold, then I'm going to, you know, can it here, you know. But they went gold on that uh, on that record, you know. Yeah, I remember they that tour. tour. So, man, they toured. Yeah, I remember that, that was tour. A wonderful experience, man. Well, Great. this is I got good is, friends with those guys, you know. Yeah, that that's why you went to L.A. because you wanted to be a full time rock and roller. So that's what you went there for, you yep. know. So you achieved your goal. Here's- yeah, with Nugent, it really launched me. I mean, Ted was really good to me, man. You know, I don't care what they say about Ted Nugent. He, I, I, I love the guy. I mean, he, he, he believed in me, and we're friends to this day. You know, I, I so get the great. feeling that rock and roll is the like number one thing in your life. <laughs> like everything else doesn't really matter. Well, except you got a what? You're married, right, with a kid? No, 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 no. Divorce, divorce now. No, no kids. So okay. rock and roll is back to number one again. Well, that's it's always been. That's the pro- that's the problem. It could be the problem too, you know. Yeah, we're good. and that's on, why on home, you have on home life. Yeah, and that's why you have so much equipment, which I want to talk to you about in a couple of minutes. But first, Jimmy <laughs> yep. Barnes. I this is the st- part of the story that really threw me for a loop. You ended up moving to Australia to go work with Jimmy Barnes. How in the world did that happen? 
No, no, I didn't. I didn't move there. Um, I spent a lot of time there. Um, uh, let's see. I I was um, with um, well with Nugent. Well, no, uh, yeah, I was. I would think I was doing Nugent, but um, Jonathan Kane, going back to you know nineteen eighty two eighty three with Jonathan Kane, he called me and he said, "Look, I got this guy from Australia, and I'm writing songs for him." Two, two songs, and I want you to play guitar for him. I go, well, great. I love it. I go, what about Neil Sean? He was using Neil Sean for everything. Yeah. He goes, no, I don't want to use Neil because he, he uses a lot of effects. He likes to print a lot of effects. And I went in the studio with Jonathan a lot. He knows how I play. And I just give him, you know, a, a Strat or Les Paul through a Marshall. You, I, he goes, you mind if I put on the, the effects I want? I go, John, I don't care. You're the producer. You know, it's your songs. I don't care. So he liked that. He, he could do anything he wanted with me. I just gave him, you know, straight Marshall. Go ahead, you know. So, so I said, well, who's playing with it? He says, well, it's going to be me, you, Tony Brock from the Babies on drums. Yeah. Wow. I said, wow, Tony Brock. And the Randy Jackson on bass from American Idol. Wow. You know, well, he wasn't American Idol then, but, you know, he's a famous session bass player. So I said, okay, you know, I want to use Neil. No, I want to use you. I'm like, okay, great. So we went in there and we did two songs and uh, I sang backgrounds with Jimmy and John, um, sang all the, all the backgrounds. And then it, you know, that was it. And, and they threw it to Australia and it became a humongous hit over there. I mean, number one over there it was a working class man. It was called, it was Johnson wrote it. It was two songs and American heartbeat, I think was the other one. And it, it was huge. So I was finishing up a, a Nugent record in, we had two more songs to do and we went to Miami and I saw Randy Jackson was doing the Bee Gees playing bass for the Bee Gees. So he goes, Hey, did Jimmy Barnes call you? I go, no. He goes, he wanted me to do a tour over there. He goes, what are you doing? I go, well, we'll just finish up with Nugent. And then Nugent's going duck hunting for months or whatever. You know, he goes duck, duck hunting. We're doing, doing anything. So he goes, you should call Jimmy. You should go over there and do, do a tour with Jimmy. I go, okay. So he, I think he gave me the number. So I called Jimmy. He goes, mate, come on over. I'll <laughs> send you a ticket, you know. So um, I did it for four years. I, did, I went over there for like three months at a time, you know, and because Nugent... September 1st, Ted would go duck hunting. So he'd go, you know, I'm out. I'm shutting it off September 1st. I'll see you after New Year's or whatever, you know? So I had all this time off. So I did that with Nugent and Jimmy Barnes at the same time, you know, just I go to Nugent and I go to Jimmy and for the, because this was there, our winter was their summer. So I go tour over there all winter and I'd come home for Christmas or New Year's and then I'd be like, woohoo, great. I'm sorry, I got the story a little wrong there. I thought that you actually no, moved no, to Australia. No, okay. But I spent months, well, I was kind of living over there, you know, three months at a time, you know. But, yeah. Um, it, it was great. And it was great. Um, and then in 88, um, I did the little, uh, no, uh, if you can't lick them, lick them with Nugent record. And um, they were mixing it. And again, he was going to take a lot of time off, you know. And so I went with Jimmy again because Jimmy was huge. I mean, as as huge as, as Bruce Springsteen over there. I mean, he was number one, you know. And so we were doing 30,000, you know, people, 40,000, whatever, 10,000, 20,000. It was an amazing tour. 
Australia is um, a cool place too, isn't oh, it? I, I loved it. I played everywhere in Australia. We played the Outback, played, I, I you know, in four years, I played every place. So I, I was over there again. And then all of a sudden, Nugent, uh, the management, Nugent Mandel calls me and says, hey, um, Nugent picked up the Kiss tour. This was the 87, end of 87. I had done the record and I thought, you know, we're just going to have a hiatus. So I didn't want to leave Jimmy, you know, I didn't want to leave him hanging because he was so good to me. I loved him. So I, I said, I can't, I can't leave Jimmy, you know? So I got replaced by Derek St. Holmes, which is a lead singer to be yeah. replaced by the lead great by the original. And yeah. Derek is one of my closest friends. Now he's, I love him. I talk to him all the time. And so I thought, you know what? I think it's the time's up there, you know? So, but Jimmy said, don't worry, mate, we're going around the world with this thing. So Jimmy kept me working and it was great. You know, we went to um, Europe and all, all over the place. And it ended up the Nugent tour only lasted for like a month. Something happened and it, it got canceled. So I picked the right job because yeah. Jimmy kept me working into the summer of the 88, you know, so it was it was the right thing to do. And no. speaking of the right job, it was soon after that that the real right job came along. And I and you've been with REO Speedwagon now for 30 years or something like that. 30, 34. 34 years. Now, um, how did you cross paths with like Kevin Cronin and those guys? And how did that whole thing start? Because it's been quite a ride for you. Um, well, I used to do some some uh, sessions for uh, 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 Jesse Harms, who was in Sammy Hagar's band. He was a keyboard player. And he wrote, he was a staff writer for Geffen also. So he used to go, you know, hey, Amato, I, I need, you know, I need guitar on my, I used to play demos for him. You know, he had a studio in the back of his house. It was close to me. So he he was writing songs. Somehow he got hooked up with Kevin and he was writing songs for, with Kevin because Gary Richrath had gone. Yeah. Um, so um, he, he said, um, you know, they're looking for a guitar player. And I think, you know, and you, you know, your singer, you, 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 I think you'd fit the bill. He goes, so learn, he wrote a couple of songs with him. So he said, learn these two songs. And then they gave me a couple of like, can't fight this feeling or something, you know, a couple of hits, you know? So yeah. Then, so I went down to Kevin's house on a Friday and I uh, stayed there all afternoon and we we hung out. We had a great time. I love the guys. And and they, they said, well, I got there one o'clock, you know, set up. We played all afternoon. And then by five o'clock, they said, you want to join the band? And I was like, sure. Great. You know, but um, wait, can I, can I get a water right here? Right sure, here. man. Um, I'll keep talking while you're getting your water because there I did go. I did uh, read somewhere that you said when they offered you the gig, you said, they have a lead in every song. I think I'll take this gig. Is that true? <laughs> That's true. Well, you did, you've done your homework. That's true. Well, I mean, you're a lead guitar player like we were talking about before, and I've watched tons of your videos, and I saw Ario one time only when you were in the band, uh, but you know you're you're very prevalent. Your your playing fits them perfectly oh, for what they're doing. And um, before we talk more about that, I know that you did some work with Richie Sambora, 
and uh, Undiscovered Soul, which I think was one of uh, his solo records. Uh, yeah. And then I heard from somebody at Gibson that you guys became buddies, man. You and Richie Sambora, and you introduced him to some people and stuff. Is that is that accurate? Uh, I, I love I love Richie Sambora. He's he's like one of my brothers. I love him. He's he's amazing guitar player, singer, person. Anybody who says otherwise, you know, is he's, he's an amazing human being. I tell you, I just love him to death. He's great. Um, well, okay, the story goes, and I was just going to tell you really, I mean, I, sorry, I got so many stories here, but. Um, tell whichever one I, you want, Dave. <laughs> the Well, before REO, I was doing auditions after Jimmy Barnes. Jimmy Barnes in 19, just to pick it up from the end of Jimmy. 1988, you know, we went around almost around the world with Jimmy. And by that time, four years, again, I was like, I think I'm done with this. You know, I'm I, down Australia. When I came back to the States, things had changed. You know what I mean? If you spend three, four months down there, or go five months, then things have changed. So I'd say, I want to be back in LA. You know, I bought a condo, you know, I, 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 I want to settle down in LA, back in, you know, LA. I felt like I lost a little ground, you know? And on, so I started doing auditions for share, for for share. I was going to bring that up. Back, you know, it kept right after Jimmy. It kept they kept calling me back. Oh, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. A month later, three weeks later, they call me. Come back. Do it again. Do it again. You know, do it again. Uh, okay, whatever. Just trying to get my feet back in L.A. You know, and then um, uh, I got the you know I got the the, the call from REO to do. You know the audition on a Friday, and all those auditions which year, I got the gig on a Wednesday of the of the the week I'm going to to audition for REO, right? Wow! I got it already. So I go into REO. I already had a gig. I got the share gig after all these months of doing this shit. So I'm relaxed. I'm like, if I get it, I get it. If I don't, I have a gig. So I got both gigs in one week. Wow! Week. So now I'm going. Now what do I do? Now, what do I do? Uh-oh, what do I do? So I go back to Sheer, and I say, I can't do this. I can't do this. She was mad. She was mad at me. She was, she was mad. She goes, okay, you're going to audition all the all the guys that didn't, you know, didn't make it, you know, whatever. I go, oh, great, and get paid? Great. So I did that, you know, for a while. But I did. She kept calling me back. So I quit. And then I go to REO, because we were doing a record with REO, first record. And then the management would call me back and say, look, she doesn't like the guitar player that replaced you. What, what's your dates? When, when are you open? <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm open for three weeks in you know, May or something like that. She goes, okay, come out, come out and do the three weeks with her. Cause you know, I know the songs, you know, cause I, okay. So I did that with REO for almost four years, both of them. So, so did to, you do gypsies, well, tramps, and thieves? <laughs> no, no, it was it was all no, I did not. It I was, was joking. All, yeah, no, I no, I, I agree with I, I'd be like, well, I'm not sure about that one. Um, no, it was hard, it was rock and roll because, and I'm I'm filling in the blanks here with you, because Richie Sambora was going out with her at the time, right? Whoa. Yeah, so I'm on the side of the stage. I had Richie Sambora's tech because some of the Bon Jovi was off. So, wow. so he, and Richie gave her his techs, you know? 
So I had Richie's text, uh, a tech, I should say. And so Richie was, was beside me, you know, I'm playing with Cher and Richie's right there. So me and Richie are hanging out. It was, it was great. So he goes, Hey Dave, I love your playing, man. I'm just finishing up a solo record. You want to want to do my want to come out on my first solo tour? I'm like, are you kidding me? He goes, no, no. So I'm like, yeah, I do, I do. So uh, I don't know how I did it. So I still had Cher, and I still had Ario, and I went out with Sambora. Wow. With, with, for the wow. first solo tour. It wasn't Those... long. It wasn't long. I fit it in somehow. I fit it in. I don't know. I don't know how. I, right now, I I don't think I could do it. I could do it again. But well, all, all those all those guys you were playing with back in Massachusetts were probably like, oh, he's he won't get anything happening out there. Next thing you know, you're playing with fucking everybody that you could possibly play. It, it was that was like ninety ninety one. Yeah, ninety one. You see, hopefully you're writing your book now or somebody's working. No, I just keep going. I, you know, when, when you, you know, when I do an interview and then I relive it and I'm like, wow, wow, that was cool. But I don't, I don't really think about it. You know, I just, cause I'm going on, you know, with, with, I'm playing tonight, you know, with my, my guys, you know. Before we continue, cause I'm not going to keep you forever, but where are you playing tonight? Uh, <laughs> I'm in I'm in Georgia, Georgia, uh, Atlanta. It, no, no, um, Jesus. When they do the golf tournaments, it doesn't matter. Uh, Augusta, Augusta. Augusta. Thank you. The other thing I want to ask you is, I, since I lived in LA for like 14 years, I lived in uh, Studio City and Sino, and then I lived in Marina del Rey and Santa Monica. I'm oh, wondering, nice. wondering where you are. Where are you? Where are you in LA? I'm in Thousand Oaks. Oh, you're in the Valley. Georgia. Yeah, I'm in Thousand yeah. Oaks. Nice. I, I started that condo I told you about was North Hollywood because all my buddies, all the, you know, the, um, the, all the musicians, you know, yep. the, oh, I know we're in North Hollywood, you know? Yeah. Studio city, North Hollywood, right over the hill, man. Perfect That's location. That's it. Um, I was in, I bought the condo in North Hollywood. I had that for years. Yeah. For years. That was great. Great. So yeah. just to talk about Cher for a minute before we go back to REO, because that this is really fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. Was she doing covers of rock songs? Is that why she wanted you? Um, no, I, I just no, I just did the audition and I I she just liked the way I played and looked at the time, you know. I mean my my you know my hair was down here, you know, whatever. And and she she was dating, you know, Richie. Richie, so I mean, Richie's, you know, Richie was huge. Bon Jovi was yeah, huge, yeah, oh, yeah. You know? And I guess she just liked my look and the way I, you know, uh, played. I, I don't know, but I did a lot of auditions for her. I thought, you know, I didn't get it. I went three weeks later. They, Would you do another audition? I'm like, sure, I'll do another audition. Sure, come back and you know, do it again. You know. Yeah, I was so, wondering but, about this. I, oh, I didn't get it. Yeah, I was wondering about the set. Was it like covers or were they like originals or what? Um, it was, uh, uh, if I remember, um, it was a, a Bon Jovi song. We uh, sleep alone. We don't we sleep. I can't remember the songs. Uh, I'm no angel by Dwayne Allman. It was rocking. Um, oh, she did her ex-husband Greg Allman song. That's cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. We started off with I'm no angel. It was rocking. Wow. If, if you, you know, what's a good thing to do? Pull up the 19, the sheer extravaganza. There's a whole, a whole um a dvd on it 
Yeah, probably sure, probably on YouTube. On wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, um, bang bang, we did some Sunny songs, bang bang, but we did them heavy. They were rocking because she was going out with Richie, man. We didn't do any, you know, gypsy tramps and thieves. No, <laughs> no, we we were we were smoking. You it just was... reminded me of something. I'll never forget this. I was watching the American Music Awards, and all of a sudden, I look on my screen and I see you up there with Julian Lennon, and I call <laughs> Donnie. Donnie Thayer, because we were hanging out at that time in L.A. And right when I picked up the phone, he said, Dave Amato. We both said Dave Amato at the same time, because I was like, I'm with these people. And I'm like, I know that guy. Right. And you're playing with Julian Lennon. That must have been yeah. incredible. Oh, it was, it was it was amazing. It was amazing. The 80s in L.A., uh, you know, I'm just reliving it with you now, you know, and it was um, but I did do. You know, to fill even fill in more blanks. That's how I got Julian. I I was um, oh when Nugent was on Atlantic, right? We were on yeah. Atlantic. So the the powers to be in Atlantic, they we we did you know, they had solid gold. So if Atlantic um, artists came, you know, from England or or whatever, um, they needed a band to lip sync on solid gold. I did so many solid goals. It, it was in, insane. I did, you know, Roger, Roger, Roger Daltrey, um, Bob Geldof. Um, I, I can't remember all the things. So, so you know, we put on a different clothes every week or a hat, you know, just because it was the same band. Was it you was and a, Ricky? You, know, you and Ricky, right? Ricky yeah, Phillips. Yeah, yeah, Ricky. yeah. Yes, Pat Torpy from Mr. Big. You know, who oh. passed away. God love him. Oh yeah, you know, Pat Torpy of Mr. Big. Um, we were kind of the nucleus of the Atlantic band there. So I got that from, you know, um, Atlantic put me and Ricky together with Julian Lennon to do the American Music Awards. You know, that stemmed off from the, the Solid Gold thing because, he you know, we did a good job for him in Solid Gold. So he gave us the American Music Awards, which was unbelievable. I mean, I was up there and in the front row was, you know, Bruce Springsteen, Paul McCartney, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, my God, what am I doing up here? Like, oh, like, you know, I said, I looked out there and I said, oh, I can't look out there anymore. I can't, you know, I was like, holy cow, you know, how did I get up here? Yeah, it was funny because I remember that. I remember the clip very well. And I remember one, at one point you and Julian like looked at each other and smiled at each other in the video. And I was like. Yeah. I can't believe I saw this guy play in August yeah. and now he's on TV with Julian Lennon, you know? I mean, of course, a lot he, he of was, these other... Yeah, he was more nervous than I was backstage when they were announcing us. I was, I was a little nervous, I was nervous, you know? But he was so nervous, he made me nervous, you know? I go, how you doing, Julian? He was like, he was like, so nervous. I was like, he's making me, me crazy, you know? But I love, he's great. I, I could have gone on tour with him, but I was doing, I did something, I was doing Nugent, I guess, or something else, you know? When I was it I, that, when was it that you became fully 100% REO Speedwagon? Because that seemed to have happened at one point, and then you played on a bunch of the records, and you became like a core of the band, basically. Well, we did the first record in 89, you know? But, you know, we were making a record, so we had time. That's why I did all the other moonlighting stuff, I guess you would call it, you know? With Richie, with with uh with the uh, chair you know um so 89 90 probably after 92 i guess you know but i mean i was still a member in there you know we were still doing stuff but we weren't touring that much or whatever you know and and because we were doing like a records and 
promotional things, you know. So, I mean, I, I, I did that. I did all my job in there, you know, but um, I guess right after the 92 share thing, you know, I mean, we started climbing up again, you know, started because, because, you know, they, they were, they were just amazing in the like early eighties, you know, and you know, what, what goes up kind of comes down, you know, and when I joined, it was, it was kind of, kind of flat, you know, so um, the Brian hit and the drummer now, and I 34 years, we, we kind of, you know, in with the guys, you know, kind of built it slowly, you know, slowly back up again. And it's, it's still going great, man. It's, it's, I'm so lucky. Really lucky. You guys are like synonymous with like summer touring, you know, like there's certain bands that you can count on like sticks. I know you actually are friends with those guys. I, oh, I yeah. met JY and I worked at AM records. So when we put out their greatest hits package, I got to hang out with JY mm -hmm. and Tommy Shaw and Dennis DeYoung even did those shows. And I was like, I can't believe I'm with these guys. You actually played a gig with them on TV. Oh. Yeah, we did. Um, what the early morning in New York, right? Years ago. Uh, what happened that someone couldn't make it? On on that? Yeah, that, was no, Jay was JY and Tommy both there for that show? I think so, yeah. I would so say they, yeah. So they had three yeah. guitars. <laughs> yeah. And we played each, like each other's songs or something. You know, I think we fooling yourself. I think we played that with them and they played, you know, roll with the changes with us or something, you know? Oh, both we, bands did it together. Okay. Yeah, I we get did it. a song or two together. We mixed it, you know, both of us, you know. Are we you did on, that with sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, are you out with other another band now or are you guys just doing a headlining tour? No, we did Sticks and Loverboy last year. We did you know us Sticks and Loverboy. We did a big shed tour last year. So they're talking about next year doing another, you know, bigger, bigger tour. So we're kind of doing B markets this year because you got to kind of take a break. We don't want, you don't want to wear it out. You know, they said, oh, we saw Ario last year. We, you know, maybe we won't see him or whatever in the big sheds, you know. So we're kind of doing the B markets, which is it, it's, it's amazing. You know, tonight we do theaters and casinos and and uh, amphitheaters, you know, we get, and, and we're, it, we're doing great. You know, little little smaller markets, which which is are amazing. You know, yeah. but you know, we did we did all the big ones last year, so we did. Yeah. You know, we played up good. We don't want to wear it out. That's what we usually do. Kevin's voice is holding out pretty well after all these he's, years. He's he's a, he's he's a trooper, man. He's amazing. He's amazing. I mean, okay, th th this is the part of the the show that I've been waiting for. Okay. I was absolutely floored and blown away when I watched this video of you going into your private warehouse <laughs> in San Fernando Valley. And when they opened that door, the guy that you were with, I think it was from Gibson or something, his mind yeah. was blown. But then I saw those white Marshall amps and then then all the, the guitars. And I was like, how in the world did you get a collection of stuff this big? I did. I, you know what? It amazes me when I go into that locker. I have now. I have two lockers. That was only the first one. I have another one now. That I just I did it all myself. I just love. You know, I'm like uh, I'm with Bonamassa. Bonamassa is worse than me. He's, he's insane. In which you know, and he's a he's a good friend of mine. You know, um, we just have the. You know, I mean, I never done any drugs or anything like that. My drug is the gear. Is the gear You're addicted to your gear? Uh, I really am. I really am. I have about two hundred guitars and two hundred <laughs> amplifiers, and mostly Marshalls. 
mostly oh. marshals. Yeah. Do you have a play out of Vox? Over 100 marshals, marshal amplifiers. You don't go near Vox or Orange or anything else? Oh, I, I have some Vox. No, no, no Orange. Um, old Fender 60s um, Blackface. 60s Blackface, which I grew up on, you know, in Framingham, you know? That's where I have the money for those Blackfaces. So I collect the, the old Fender. I don't use them, but I collect the Fender Blackfaces. I just, I just every time I see one, I'm like, oh, I got to have it. Got to have it. It's crazy. So do you yeah, sell any fun. of it? Are you selling stuff too, or are you just buying? Buying, just buying. I trade some with with my buddies, so I really want some. You know, I'll, say, I'll trade you. I'll trade you this for that one. You know, and I'll give you some more money, whatever. Just, but no, I don't. I don't really. I don't really sell them. I are you trade know, some are, of them. Are you known around? You know, all your fellow other guitar players is the guy with all the equipment. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, they think I'm crazy. You know, you're nuts, man. Yeah. Do you yeah, have any... My... Go ahead. I'm What's sorry. That? No. Uh, yeah, they think I'm crazy. They think I'm nuts. Yeah. Do, do you have any guitar players like that you really... I mean, you obviously you got all these friends. You mentioned Whitford and Richie and, and all these guys. Is there is there guitar players that you like really look up to and go, you know, that guy is my, you know, hero? Yeah. Well, right now, I mean, Nuno is just, he's killing me. He's killing, uh, he, oh, my God. He's just, uh, I mean, I watched some videos he's doing, like, lately. You know, I mean, even before, I mean, uh, you know, Get the Funk Out, that solo is, is is unbelievable. Unbelievable. But some of the stuff he's doing now, I, I, you know, just uh, some of the videos go across, you know, Facebook or whatever I'm I'm seeing. I mean, he's doing some stuff that. Holy crap. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And of course, Bonamas is, you know, a, my buddy, he's a friend of mine, you know, and he's, you know, I just go like this to him, you know, Bonamas is incredible, you know, and he's, and he's a friend and he's, he's, he's great. He's so good to me, you know? Um, uh, and I like the, you know, the Foo Fighters, you know, Foo Fighters got some uh, good, good players in there, you know, the guitar players really, really good for underrated, I think, you know, um, I love that you hit me with some guys that I wasn't expecting, you know, I mean, you, sometimes people are just, well, you know, Hendrix, Jeff Beck, Brian, May, you know? <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I mean, those are my heroes, you know, you said like now, what, you know, I, I, did you say now, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, don't know. It does now then, you know, I mean, uh, you know, Jeff Beck, you know, what a, what a sad loss, you know, yeah. I, I just, I was watching his, you know, um, Jeff is just untouchable. I mean, he's, you know, he's he's up there. Clapton has slipped. I love Clapton and Cream, you know, but he slipped a little, you know. I mean, of course, he's older. What the heck, you know? But, you know, uh, Paige and Hendrix, of course, of course. There's, you know, they don't even have to say that in, in my, you know, in my yard here, you know. But lately, I mean, Nuno is is doing and oh, Eddie, oh my God, you know, I can't leave out Eddie. You know, it's what a shame, you know. And I kind of knew Eddie a little bit from going over Bradshaw's. You know, with I got a bunch of Bradshaw rigs, and I used to see him over there in in the eighties. You know, working on stuff with Bob Bradshaw. You know, and it was just a it was just a shame. You know, just just a shame. Yeah, and Beck and and Eddie, wow. But yeah, that you know, I mean, those are my heroes, you know. But but now, 
I mean, Nuno is is coming up the man. I mean, he's always been there, but holy, he's going, he's doing some stuff lately. It's like acrobatic. <laughs> wow, what is he doing? You know, wow. Yeah, they they got a new record out too now. Too. I know. Extreme. If you see that that new video he's doing and the solo in that video, what? <laughs> you know. So that's just in my head because this this week, you know, I, I, the last couple of weeks, I've I've been watching him going, Jesus, I better start practicing, you know. I think he's from Hudson, actually. Hudson, Massachusetts. Yeah, from Hudson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. never know. I mean, man. I, I met him a couple. I, I met him a couple of times, but I don't really know him, you know. But, but yeah, I, I mean, we play with Night Ranger, the Night Ranger guys. Uh, they're my they're my brothers. I love you know Brad Gillis. Great, great. You know, Night Ranger guys are you know. Just um, and the Aerosmith guys, you know, Joe and Brad, and come on, they're, they're doing their last tour, I guess. I know, I know. I want to, I want to go see them before you know, before it's over. Yeah, we're you gonna know? all have to. Yeah. Well, you know, I was gonna ask you if there's anything that you haven't achieved that you've dreamt about, but man, you've had a pretty damn good run, man. Yeah, um, it's it's been good. It's been it's been great. It's been great. Um. Uh, you know, I'm I'm happy here with the REO guys. It's my family. You know, it's a real family. Um, just you know, Kevin wants to keep it going. It's it's great. You know, I mean, I hope it it, it someday. You know, what they let these uh, the classic rock bands into the Hall of Fame because this band deserves it. You know, um, Sticks, Foreigner, they're not in there. REO. I mean, come on, you know. I mean, yeah. the journey, the through journey in there, great, great, you know. Um, I just, you know, hope maybe, maybe someday, you know, this, um, this band will be the Hall of Fame. You know, I hope. I'd that, like to see you standing on the stage at the Rock and Roll Hall. Uh, of Fame. That would, I think, <laughs> you know, you're saying something. If that that would happen, that would be the icing on the cake for me. That's that's it, right there. I think. I think I guess what I'm trying to say without even saying it. Yeah. Hey, I went to Framingham State. So, you know, I mean, I would love to have a guy from that area, like be in the Rock and Roll yeah. Hall of Fame. Definitely. Oh, yeah. They, you know, speaking of Framingham, I just went back there a couple of months ago because they voted me into the Framingham South Hall of Fame. <laughs> so I got inducted to the Framingham South Hall, which I thought was was amazing. You know, I had to go back. I thought. Well, at my age, yeah, I'm going to go. You know, that's that's really that's really very. I thought that was really very cool. You know, congratulations. I don't know who man. put me in there, but yeah, it, it was really really nice. You know, um, of my achievements, I guess. You know, but yeah. like you say, I don't even think about it until some. You know, you get an interview or you 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 know remind me of all that stuff. I just keep we just keep going. Yeah. Hey, thanks a lot, man. You know, I know Jimmy D's probably up there, like, listening yeah. to, you know, man. Oh, he came to some shows. He used to call me. Yeah, I miss Jimmy. You know, he used to call me and come to shows, you know. He was going to come to um, the week before he died. He was going to come see me. I talked to him, and he was going to come. And I talked to him, and he said, you know, Dave, I'm not feeling good. That was that week. He yeah. said, I can't make it out, man. I'm not feeling So, okay, Jimmy, I'll. Uh, I hope you feel better, you know? I, he goes, I can't make the show, man. I'm not feeling good, you know? I go, okay. And that was that week. Then Louie called me and somebody called me and said, Jimmy died. I'm like, oh, God. He was coming out like a week before. Terrible. Terrible. I hate that. I don't <laughs> want to I don't want to end this on a sad note. <laughs> no, I know. I know. No, yeah. I, I mean, I, I love those guys dearly, you know? 
I just, they didn't like it when I left. That's they didn't even oh, talk to me. You know? I know they didn't like it when you left, man. You, you were no. an intricate part of that band, you know? Yeah, I had to, I had to go. I, I, you know, my time was up, you know? Yeah. On a couple of things, even the Nugent thing, I knew my time was up. Or even Jimmy Barnes, I kind of knew, you know? Like, okay, you know, I think I, something else I need to do around the, you know, around the horizon, on the horizon, you know? So well, listen, I'm going to go. I'm going to let you go and get ready for your show tonight, man. I've kept you long enough, man. Oh, it's okay. It was, it was a pleasure. <laughs> Jesus. I never, I never think about this stuff. You know, I just go forward, you know, and uh, you remind me of it. I'm like, wow, that, it's, that, that was pretty cool. You know, all the stuff it, it's, it's been a great ride. It's been a really, really wonderful, you know, career, you know, in, in, in LA, that's what I said in LA has been great to me, you know, I can't knock. Some guys really knock. I hate L.A. I hate L.A. I love L.A. Yeah, it's I been do too. Incredible for me, you know, and still is. So, anyway, congratulations, anyway. man, on everything you've Thanks. done, man. What a career! Oh, Fantastic. it's great talking to you, man. Th All thank right, you for Dave. This. I'm reminiscing. You made me reminisce about all sorts of stuff. That's great. That's really thank cool. Good luck tonight, man. Oh, thanks. Thanks, right. I appreciate it. Appreciate uh, my it. My pleasure. Okay, I'll see you. All right. Hey, hey, you, you, um, what are you, are you close to Kachichua? I mean, where are we playing? Uh, Cohasset, Cohasset, or, I'm, or I'm, I'm, I'm in Worcester County. Oh, okay. I mean, we're there on the weekend. Just, uh, I don't know. Well, here, hold on, and I'll talk to you when we get off here. Thanks, okay, man. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And how about that? Dave Amato. What a cool dude. I'm so happy that I, I was, I've been thinking, I think about Dave a lot and I just thought he'd be a great guest on the show and we reached out to him, caught him at the right time. He agreed to do the interview. We had that fantastic talk. Then I got to go see the band play live. And like I said, I'm not kidding. I never was the hugest REO Speedwagon fan in the world. I've always respected what the band has done. Their longevity is incredible, but man, did they just kill. They killed. And Cronin, Kevin Cronin, the singer, sounds amazing. Said he's 72. Dave, I think, said he's 70. I mean, these guys can rock, man. They can they can rock with any young band out there. And uh, it was a real honor for me to get to talk to Dave Amato. I said, I think at the end of the interview, I was thinking about Jimmy D'Angelo a lot during the interview, because if it wasn't for Jimmy, I never really would have met Dave. Uh, even though I saw Ice, I never really met him until he was in August. And uh, that band was fantastic. Um, you know, they went on to make a record afterwards with a guy named Scott Hanley on guitar. But still, you know, Dave was the original guitar player. And you know, Jimmy used to tell me he went and saw REO several times. And they hung out afterwards. And it was a very personal, and this is personal for me, man. You know, I mean, when I get to talk to people that I really like and admire, and especially when they grow up right near you, like I went to Framingham State. Dave, you know, grew up in Framingham, Mass, right there, you know, and it's about 20 minutes out of Boston, if you're wondering where Framingham is. And uh, so it's fantastic. You should have seen the people afterwards there at the uh, after party show. A bunch of guys that went to school with them were there. And 
It was really cool. Of course, I mentioned Michael Sweet. I'm actually thinking about talking to Mike, you know, reaching out to Michael Sweet and asking if he wants to come on the show. I mean, hey, soldiers under command, the yellow and black attack. I mean, Striper, they they played a pivotal role in my career early on. I mean, we we broke that band, man. We broke them. Um, so there's plenty of good stories and pl plenty of good episodes. So I hope you're listening every week, sometimes twice a week. Lately, it's been twice a week again. Might go back to once a week. I don't know, man. I've had a lot of interviews lately. I got some great ones in the can that I'm going to be releasing soon. And uh, this is one of them. And you're here listening. And if you support this podcast or you like this podcast, head over to patreon.com forward slash twisted Rico and support us on a monthly basis. You can do the same if you're a Spotify listener. We just got some new subscribers last week, and I love every one of you. I do. Please subscribe. Check it out. Uh, we're also on all the social media platforms. And check out the YouTube page. There's the interview with Dave and I up on YouTube. It's funny. He was really excited to do the interview. I love when I get an excitable guest. You know, he was very excited. And if you want to reach out to me, you can reach out to me anytime. My email is twistedrico at gmail.com. And I look forward to hearing from you. And I look forward to bands sending me music, etc. All right. Till the next time we say goodbye. This is Blowing Smoke with Twisted Rico. I'm your host, Steve Ricardo. Keep the rock and roll alive. <laughs>